Memorial Day weekend. What, what is Memorial Day weekend to you? Today we come in this place and for some it's a season of, oh no, summer is kicking off and the pools are now open and we get excited about that. For some it's just an extra day off of work. Oh, that was, that was weird. And for some it's we're going to break down and do a little jig and a dance. <laughs> um, we, you know, Memorial Day weekend, you're thinking about maybe cookout that's going on tomorrow or an extra day off of work, and, and you're thinking about all this kind of stuff, but what is it really about? See, Congress purposely moved Memorial Day weekend to a Monday so it would make for a long holiday weekend, and, and that's good for business, both recreational enterprises and, for obvious reason, industrial concerns, since it's less expensive for them to actually shut down the start of week Rather than in the middle of the week, it's hard for a business to start because Memorial Day used to be in the middle of the week. Sadly, though, it, what has happened through the years is many people have forgotten the actual reason of why we celebrate Memorial Day and why Memorial Day has become a holiday. Our national observance of Memorial Day actually ba dates back to 1868 when Gen General John A. Logan, who is the commander-in-chief of the Grand Army of the Republic named, named May 30th, as the special day to honor the graves of the Union soldiers, General Logan's order was that the day was des designated for the purpose of strewing with flowers or otherwise decorating the graves of comrades who died in defense of their country during the late rebellion. And Memorial Day used to be called Decoration Day because that was a day to go and decorate the graves to remember the fallen soldiers. Now there's debate as to the location and the date of the first observance of a Memorial Day in the United States. Some claim the custom of honoring those who perished in war began in Bullsburg, Pennsylvania. Others claim the custom was originated by some southern women who placed flowers on the graves of both Union and Confederate soldiers after the war between the states. One writer states the first Memorial Day service took place on May 30, 1866, on Belle Isle, a burial ground for Union soldiers in St. James River at Richmond, Virginia. The school superintendent and mayor planned the program of hymns and speeches and had the burial ground decorated with flowers. And then the federal government got involved. I was kind of seeing you guys were wondering about that. Federal government got involved and eventually got in the debate. And in 1966, proclaimed that the birthplace of Memorial Day was Waterloo, New York, since on May 5, 1865, the people there had honored soldiers who had died. So now, depending on which history book you go back to, none of us really know the exact day Memorial Day began. We really don't. But even though there's this debate about when it began, God knows what happened. And according to the book of Revelations, he keeps the books of the life of people of everyone. So he knows what's going on. It's also true that people throughout history have observed days of remembrance for all sorts of reasons, including the deaths of those who died in war. My reason of mentioning this, the history of Memorial Day is that traditions and holidays tend to change over time. And if we are not careful... The reasons can be lost altogether. And the observance of Memorial Day was started in this country in remembrance of those who died in war between the states. And since that time, those who have sacrificed their lives in service our nation have been added. And since 9-11, there has been even more mention of those who have died in the line of duty and emergency services such as fire 
and police and rescue and medical personnel. To remember those who have given their lives for our freedoms, protect our country. It's our responsibility to teach the next generation the meaning of this day. And I pray that today and tomorrow you take some time to reflect. Maybe go to a parade that's downtown. Spend some time with your family rehearsing or remembering maybe one or or a few of the wars. We need to learn our history and the sacrifices that have been made for the freedoms we enjoy. And too, too, too often, it's just taken for granted, church. Too often, we just kind of roll on to what's next. The future of any nation demands that its citizens have a sense of history and that we understand our place in it. The reality is that every citizen in the United States shares in that same heritage for 655,000 plus who have died in battle, along with 538,000 plus who died from other causes while in military service, and over 1.4 million that have been wounded and have, been, that have paid the high price to preserve and to protect our freedoms as well as protecting and liberating other nations. See, the failure to remember and honor the sacrifices by those who have gone before us will lead us to a failure to preserve the very things for which they've given their lives for. And we must understand our freedom is not free. It's not. Those who recognize its cost will continue to pay its price so that it's preserved. Those who do not and will not, and so they'll lose it. That is why it's good for us to be here today. That's why it's good for us on a Memorial Day weekend to take time to remember and to think about those who've gone before. It's also important, though, for us to set aside time to remember the sacrifices that have been made for us is also part of the worship of God. See, when we set aside time and participate in activities that will cause us to think about the past, we gain a sense of moving of, moving of God's providential hand, which in turn gives us a greater confidence when we face our future. This is true for nations now, and it was true of ancient nations. Such a remembrance is even a central aspect of worship of our Lord Jesus when we stop and look at certain situations in Scripture. Setting aside days or objects of remembrance are nothing new. There are many of them in Hebrew and Greek Scriptures for a variety of particular reasons. I mean, for example, in Genesis 9, God establishes a rainbow as a sign of his covenant with Noah that he would not flood the earth again and destroy all flesh. It was a reminder both of God's judgment in the past and his promise for the future. And if you're familiar with that account in Scripture in Genesis 9, every time you see a rainbow, what do you think about? God's promises that I will not destroy the earth that way again. Consider Exodus chapter 12 and and, in Exodus 13, the Lord brings about his last plague upon Egypt, which resulted in Pharaoh finally releasing the children of Israel from their enslavement. And the firstborn would be killed unless the blood of the lamb was spread on the doorpost and the lintel, in which case the angel of the death would pass over that house. And the Lord then established the feast of Passover as a yearly reminder of this event and the freedom (coughs) that resulted from it. And so they remembered it by a feast of Passover. And Joshua 3 records a miraculous crossing of the Jordan River on dry ground. And God directed the Levites to carry the Ark of the Covenant into the river. And as their feet touched the river, the water stopped flowing and the riverbed became dry. And a man from each tribe then collected a large stone from the middle of the riverbed 
And these were stacked on the opposite side of the Jordan as a memorial. And the purpose was specifically so that when future generations of children would ask about the stacked stones, the story of the crossing would be retold. It was important to remember their history. Graves were a common sign and a place of remembrance in ancient Israel and they still are in many societies today. Abraham established the cave of Machpelah as the gravesite for his family, and it became a place of memorial for him and his descendants. Jacob was too far away from the family burial site when Rachel died, so he set up a pillar over a grave to mark it and cause her to be remembered. The king of Judah, that were good kings in particular, they were buried in a royal tomb in Jerusalem where they would be remembered while those such as evil kings like Asa and Jeroboam and Asa and Joash, they were not remembered or included in that burial site. Memorials are so important and signs of remembrance to look at who we are and where we've come from, and also to look forward to our future. Memorials are not just prompted by particular days or sites, but also in what was written. King David wrote both Psalm 38 and Psalm 70 for the express purpose of being a, mem a memorial for what God has done. The same is actually true in our society today. They, there are particular days, such as this one, Memorial Day. There are particular sites and remembrances in cemeteries and battlefields and museums. There are particular objects to cause remembrance, such as monuments and historical signs. And there are songs and ballads and books and poetry about things that should be remembered. In the New Testament... We find that a central ceremony worship is done as a memorial, and it's something that we participate in weekly here at Centerpoint. In 1 Corinthians 11, Paul explains the purpose and procedure of the Lord's Supper or communion. He explains its history, and he explains its meaning, citing Jesus' various words concerning it. Jesus said that both the bread, which represented his body, and the cup, which represented his blood, he said were to be partaken in remembrance of, of me, a memorial. This ceremonial memorial observed by his followers was a proclamation of his death until he comes back again. You think about it. You stop and think and go, man, what we're doing Memorial Day weekend in America, very common. Common in Scripture to point towards a greater need or a greater purpose or a greater cause. But you think about those who have served on the front lines of battle. Regardless of their grand ideologies, Regardless of their po political views, concepts of freedom, or even threat to home, when the shooting starts, the general reason for shooting back is self-preservation and trying to protect your buddies that aren't aligned with you. Even if you disagree about issues of life, when you're in battle, you protect the person who you're in battle with. Jesus himself commended this kind of sacrifice. In, J in John 15, he said, this is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one laid down his life for his friends. Greater love, that you would lay down your life for a friend. The stories of those who have died and demonstrating this kind of love are never ending. Those who, who volunteer for dangerous assignments or take up the most dangerous position to give the rest of their unit 
a greater chance. Those who have shielded others with their own bodies as bullets have flown by and bombs have went off, being willing to give their life. Those who at one time maybe removed a friend off of them because they took the bullet for them. Those who, who charge an enemy position to try to protect their family and friends by eliminating the enemy or drawing fire away from their buddies. Those who have demonstrated a greater concern for those that those they love than for their own life. There may even be people in here today that the only reason why you're here today is because someone else gave their life for you. That could be possible. It is this very reason that, that causes the vast majority of those who have done some heroic deed and survived to downplay it as just doing their duty. They were only doing what others were also doing for the same reason, and some of those were not coming home alive, but many people would just say, no, I just did my duty. Jesus' statement is a statement that's known as tautology. It's a proverbial statement of self-evident truth. What is more precious on earth to any sane human is what? It's their life. There's no material gain or position or power that anyone would trade for it since, since wealth and power are worthless to those who are dead. Some might trade life to gain a moment of fame, quite possibly, to, to be written into the history books, but that's actually rather silly effort since such fame would be without a benefit to them. The value of human life the value of human life is so high and so much higher than the value of other things can only be compared to it. And hence, that's Jesus' statement saying, when someone's willing to die for a friend, this is the demonstration of the greatest love. The great value of a friend demonstrating one yields their life, gives it up for somebody else. So what can that response be? What is the response of someone who has laid down their life for somebody else? Really, if someone were to do that for you, probably the only thing you could really express would be extreme gratitude. I don't think there's enough money that we'll pay and say, hey, this here is for that life that was given. It's just a heart of extreme gratitude. That is why Memorial Day has always been such an important holiday among veterans and especially those who have served on the front lines as compared to the rest of the general population. You talk to veterans or you talk to someone who's been in war and this day means everything to them. They stop and they think about it. It means a ton because their lives have been spared. Many of them personally know the price someone else paid that has allowed them to live. They desire to remember and honor those who have gone on before them. See, as a country, we remember and we are grateful for the precious freedoms we have enjoyed over the course of our country's history because there are so many who risked it all and those who paid the ultimate price to procure them. As a society, we remember and are grateful for the lives we have been able to live in safety because of those who have placed life and limb in jeopardy and those who lost their lives to secure safety for the rest of us. As a nation, we remember and we're grateful for the harmony we can have with other nations because of the many who have placed their lives in harm's way and those who have died in defeating evil and bringing freedom to the people they were oppressing. As individuals, we remember and honor family members. We honor friends. We honor loved ones and buddies who have been killed. And, and not only in our nation's military actions, but also our emergency responders like the police and the fire and the rescue and medical personnel who died on the lines of duty. We've not forgotten them, and so we honor them today. And it's important and it's right that we do that. But on this Memorial Day weekend, I must talk with you about even a greater love. 
Even a greater love. As great as love as it is for a man or a lady to lay down their life for their friends, there is one person that demonstrated even a greater love. Jesus continued in John 15 when he said, No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. This command, this I command you, that you love one another. This statement, it's mind-blowing to me. A mind-blowing statement since Jesus, the Son of God, is saying this to disciples who are mere humans. He's talking to them about giving up your life. Jesus came to earth, became friends with humans, and promised to reveal God the Father to them. And perhaps we can understand Jesus dying on behalf of the disciples since they were his friends, for that would parallel what has been seen in the lives of men and women who have died to protect their family and friends. However, Jesus goes beyond this. In Romans 7, the Apostle Paul stated, For one will hardly die for a righteous man, Though perhaps for the good man, someone would dare even to die. I mean, this would seem to be a slightly higher level of sacrificial love, and yet something humans have demonstrated in rare instances of being capable capable of doing. This is the theme of the Charles Dickens book, A Tale of Two Cities, in which Sidney Carton eventually takes the place of Charles Darney at the guillotine in revolutionary France because Sidney values Mr. Darney as a good man compared to to himself. But Jesus' love even goes beyond that. And can there be greater love than a man laying down his life for his friends or, or someone dying in the place of a good man? There is, and no mere human would do so. It would take God and human flesh to do it. Paul states in Romans 5, verse 8, he says, But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, now there, there may be the rare individual who might die for a righteous or a good man if he could be found. But who would die for sinners? Or, or let me ask you the question this way. What is the treatment that is usually given to an avowed in, enemy? Perhaps in a general bond that exists between all soldiers, because of common hardships, there can be some general respect and kindness shown towards a captured soldier. But what about towards an enemy soldier that is still fighting? A good soldier out of love for his body will give his life, but would a good soldier dare stand up and take a bullet for the enemy? Absolutely not. There's no way. But that's what Jesus did. His death on behalf of us, on behalf of his friends, he willingly made himself the sacrifice needed to redeem and cleanse and reconcile Sinners with God. See, you understand that sin is more than just missing the mark of God's perfect will. See, a lot of times someone will ask you, well, what is sin? Well, that's when I fall short. That's when I do what God wants me to, or I miss the mark. But sin is so much more than that. Sin is actually enmity or hatred against God, for it is solidly set against God's holy and just laws, according to Romans in the book of Ephesians. The apostle James made it clear that friendship with the world is hostility towards God. That we embrace sin and we live in a sin-filled life. And Paul explains in Romans 8 that everyone who is in the flesh cannot please God for the mindset on the flesh is hostile. We're actually in war against God. And God said, I still need to rescue them. And God said, I will come down out of heaven. I'll wander on this earth as a man for, for ministry. And then I will die on a cross and die for people who are hostile toward me. 
That was you and me. Until you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's what the gospel message is all about. Every one of us was born into the sin-filled world and practiced sin, bringing us under God's just and holy condemnation to death and eternal separation from Him in hell because for the wages of sin is death. That means separation forever. And none of us could have any hope of getting acquittal or a pardon or being reduced sentence on our own merit, for even our righteous deeds are as filthy rags before a holy God, according to the book of Isaiah. Nothing else, and no one else, could be our substitute, for either they stood condemned themselves, as every case of every human, or they were not the equivalent of which of worth as the case for every animal sacrifice, which is why the blood of bulls and goats cannot take away sin. It would take God himself becoming a man in the form of Jesus and then being willing to die as a substitute to pay the penalty for you and me. Have you forgotten that lately? See, what happens is with a Memorial Day, we tend to forget as time goes by. And we just tend to turn it into a holiday of a feast or a cookout or just gathering with some friends. What happens in the church world is we tend to forget about Jesus' death and what it all means. And we get into just our regular whole home life and I kind of just float through life. But have I stopped lately and really pondered what Jesus did for me? His life for our life that we might be forgiven and reconciled to God the Father. His life for our life so that we can live in eternity with Him. This forgiveness 